Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. So I titled this Thriving in Challenging Times. Thriving in Challenging Times. Whatever is happening to us as a nation or is happening globally, it's not new. Human beings have run in cycles of famine, challenging times. And because it is recorded in the Bible, we need to understand what they did for people to thrive in such challenging times. So open your Bibles, please, with me to Job chapter 5 this morning. Let's look at the whole book of Job. Uh, it, it's something that has to do with trials. It's something that has to do with experiences of setback. And it, it, it's just something that we can learn from. So I, I like to look at this book this morning within the context of this message, uh, not to just see it as something that happened to a person. Let's begin to see that something as something that happened to a people, something that happened to a nation, something that happened to an economy as it were. So Job was someone who fears God. Job was someone who, is, who was, in his time, was devoted to God. As you will find later, the book of Job was, I mean, it's somewhere immediately after Genesis, really, because Eliphaz was the son of Esau. Eliphaz that was quoted. So it must be something close to uh, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you're a Bible scholar, you do it. So it must be something that after the creation, Noah and all that, around that time was when the book of Job happened. And Bible scholars agree that everything that we read in those 42 chapters must have happened between six to nine months. So it's something that we can relate to. So everything that we are witnessing in the world, the world runs in cycles. So there are times of abundance, and there are times of deprivation. There are times that people are prosperous, and they forget God, and there are times that they have challenges, they go back to God, God answers their prayer, and soon they forget God. So everything is running, or has been running in cycles. So in Job, Job was such a man who feared God. But something happened in chapter 1. The Bible says he allowed fear because Job, even in the context of having loved God, we do sacrifices for sin of commission and omission. 
How many of you have prayed that prayer before? My grandmother, we always pray. He said, we drink, we heat sin like we are drinking water. But over time, I realized that it's just the assurance of salvation that we need. We can't continue in sin that grace may abound. So Job was fearful. And then by reason of that fear, in Job 3.25, when the calamity struck, he made a statement. He said, that which I greatly fear has come upon me. So in the midst of what is happening, there is a tendency for fear to want to grip our hearts. There is a tendency when we looked at the statistic, when we listened to the projection, when we look at it vis-a-vis small, medium enterprises, businesses in Nigeria, it's as if there is no hope. But you and I, at this time, we cannot allow fear. That fear was what actually made Job to lose everything. I love the way in Job chapter 2 that God said, and he should just tell us one thing. That Job chapter 2, where he says, where God gave command to um, Satan. He says, whatever you want to do, do, but you can't touch his soul. In other words, the material procession, like I've always said, they are just flimsy things. I believe that's the lesson there. God wants us to understand that our trust, our confidence is not in any material things. But you know, which is my message today, that God is interested in us. That's why even later, God restored to Job because he needed those material things to be able to live well here. Can I have an amen today? So I just want to build that foundation before I go into the message. So challenging times runs in cycles when it comes to human beings. Bible times are not exempted. And because we can see in the scripture, we are able to also respond the way the people in the scriptures responded. You know, in our faith walk, there are many topics that we can talk about. But this particular one we are talking about this morning is the most difficult one. I can talk about God's grace. I can talk about God's favor. We can talk about uh, God's victory. We can talk about deliverance from sin. But to convince Christians that God is interested in their prosperity, God is interested in their well-being, it's always very difficult. The second one that is difficult is the subject of health and wholeness. You can, I mean, we can convince ourselves or we can preach and say you are delivered from sin, but that being delivered from sickness and poverty is a challenge. So I know, but I choose to confront it again this morning. You know, it's very easy for us, even as Christians, to say, oh, to say things like, we want our financial borders to be expanded. It's very, it's very difficult for many Christians to admit that they need to be delivered from debt, debt, D-E-B-T. People don't talk about it, that the fact that they are hoeing. They don't talk about it. They don't, a lot of people close their minds, and they just manage with it. God doesn't want us to hoe. The only debt God wants us to, to acquire is the law of debt. 
that I choose to love my brother. It's a very challenging one, too. But, hey, Christians do face these things. People have that. You see, a lot of people believe generally that it's just a natural thing, that you hold money, you sort it out. God has given you brain so that you can give him rest. You can sort out all these financial issues by yourself. No. In the midst of what we read in biblical economy, God expects your dependence on my dependence. However, God doesn't want us to be stupid. He doesn't want us to acquire, I mean, keep borrowing money all over the place, but there are biblical principles that guide this thing. And yeah, you're still with me. So this morning, we see that because of the challenging time in Job time, Job even caused the day he was born. It caused the womb that carried him because the problem was very overwhelming. Is that not a type of the way we respond to things? We think that somebody is blocking our prosperity. We think that somebody is, is following us. He doesn't want us to do well in life. But Job, in spite of it, Job had a conversation. And I love his, one of his friends, Eliphaz. Eliphaz was consoling Job. But Eliphaz was consoling Job out of self-righteousness. What does Eliphaz mean? Let's quickly check his name. Eliphaz, let me make a description of him. Eliphaz responded to Job from self-righteousness. He assumed that Job's issue came as a result of his secret sins. Is that not a thought that we also bargain with? In fact, Christians, they have it among ourselves. Sometimes people say when you are sick, it's because you are sinning. Sometimes people say when you are poor, it's because you are sinning. I'm not saying that sin can't bring sickness. Neither am I saying sin can't bring poverty. But most of the time, it may not be a true reflection of it. Job wasn't sinning. His children, he wasn't sure whether they were sinning. So he was making daily sacrifice on their behalf. Yet, things didn't go well. Things went south with Job. Praise God. So Eliphaz means God is purification. So it means that he was just speaking out of his own name, out of his own righteousness. Eliphaz means God is dispenser. Eliphaz means uh, God is the strength to those he is their strength, who choose him to be their strength. So this morning, let's read Job chapter 5. Having laid that foundation, I hope you got one of things. I just want to tie my heart together. So Eliphaz was chastening Job in Job chapter 5. I read from NLT, Job chapter 5. I read the whole chapter so that you can, we can put it in context. Job chapter 5. It said, cry for help, but will anyone answer you? This was in response to all the causes that Job placed on himself. He said, which of the angels will help you? Surely resentment destroyed the fools. He was calling Job fool. And jealousy kills the simple. He said, I have seen that fools may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. See, this is all way, way, way Old Testament. I hope you understand that. He said, their children are abandoned far from help. They are crushed in the court with no one to defend them. The hungry devour, they are harvest, even when it is guarded by bravos. 
The thirsty plant, after they are wet, but evil does not spring from the soil. And trouble does not sprout from the heart. We're reading to the end. People are born for trouble. Can you see Eliphaz? As readily as sparks up from a fire. If I were you, I would go to God and present my case. Does, it look, does that not sound like a conflict? He does great things. Look at what he's saying about God. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. He gives rains for the heart and water for the feet. He gives prosperity to the poor and protects those who suffer. He frustrates the plans of schemers so the work of their hands will not succeed. He traps the wise in their own cleverness so their cunning schemes are thwarted. They find it, they find it is dark in the daytime and they grope at noon as if it were light. He rescues the poor from the cutting words of the strong and rescues them from the clutches of the powerful. And so at last the poor have hope and the snapping jaws of the wicked are shut. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hand also heals. From sin's disaster, he will rescue you. Even in the seventh, he will keep you from evil. He will save you from death in the time of famine, from the power of the sword in the time of war. You will be saved from slander and have no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destructions and famine. White animals will not terrify you. You will be at peace with the stones of the feed, and its wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your home is safe. When you survey your possession, nothing will be missing. You will have many children. Your descendants will be as plentiful as grass. You will go to the grave at a ripe old age, like a sheave of grain harvested at the proper time. We have studied life and find all this to be true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. Can you see a kind of mixed uh, words that Eliphaz was, was saying to Job? I want us to dwell on the good ones, about the character of God, even in the midst of those challenges. Let me say one or two things. Um, finance is not the main point of God's word, but they are mentioned at the numerous instances. Whatever is happening in Nigeria today or globally, Please hear the word of the Lord this morning. God is never going to abandon you. That's the word. He's never going to abandon you. You are in partnership with him. You are under his grace. So let's look at God's thoughts on basic things. You can go home and then study it for yourself. On giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8 he said, each one must decide in their heart how much to give. He said, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generally provide, generously provide all you need. That's God's thought. It's just one scripture. There are many others. But one scripture on giving. Number two, on saving. Look at God's thought. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8. Take a lesson from the hands, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. They have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer and they gather food for the winter. So God wants us to save. On debt, D-E-B-T, 
Proverbs 22, 7. This is the mind of God. It says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. What is the only condition? Because people are saying, is it that God doesn't want us to borrow? If you are borrowing for business, for the sake of investment, to expand things, it's okay because you want to have done your projection very well. But no matter whichever way, the mind of God concerning debt is that a lender, a servant, a borrower is what? A slave to the lender. On investment, investment, Ecclesiastes 11.2, that's his thought. So four things, Leah, giving, saving, debt, and investment. Ecclesiastes 11.2 say, but divide your investment among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. So God wants us to give, he wants us to save, he wants us to, 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 to define what debt is and not be under unnecessary any um, debt, and then he wants us to invest. You may say, because if you look at the Bible, it's in the midst of challenging times that people will save, people will give, people will invest, people will run away from debt. So, this is kingdom. These verses that I've just quoted, four of them, and many others, support that truth that God doesn't want his children to be afraid of money. Nor does he want us to be obsessed with it. Money is not our master. Jesus is our master. Praise God. You know, money is a tool. It's neither good nor bad in and of itself. You know how we should look at money? It's like a contractor who we need hammer, drill, crane to build a physical houses. So we also need money to build our financial houses. But ours is with a different perspective. And what is that perspective? We don't own things. Everything belongs to God. He has made us stewards. Stewards live in abundance, but they don't own a thing. Psalm 24, verse 1, and Luke 16. We are stewards. And you see, that perspective will help us to be able to thrive even in this time. So in this time globally, God is using our absolute dependence on him in the financial to teach and mature us. And I will say this this morning so that you can understand it. Otherwise, our anxiety can fill our heart. For some of us, God is using these global issues to teach some of us about consistent giving. Some other people... It's about consistent tithing. You say you don't believe in it. Can you open yourself to the Holy Spirit and let him teach you? Let him teach you at this season. Let him teach you. Someone shared their testimony with me in the course of this week. How some Easter faith conference years back, about two or three years ago, and I think he said someone was preaching, and at that time, he was in a very serious financial situation. But he said that we asked someone to take an offering, and the person just gave a word of knowledge. There is someone here. You are in a very serious financial situation. All you just need to do is to adjust. And he said where he was seated, the Holy Spirit pointed his attention to being faithful to his tithes. 
So he came, because I prayed over a new car for him this last week. So he came and said, from that time, I can't imagine. I wasn't the one preaching, but someone has. But from that time to this, he said, when people say they are tight financially, he said he doesn't understand that definition. Because just that simple adjustment. So for some people at this time, is that God will use this season to teach you about consistent giving. Some other people to teach you about tithing. Some other people, it's the things that are in, in the Bible that we don't even teach. But they are there. Principle of first fruit is in the Bible. But see, some other people is about how to stand in faith for your prosperity. How to stand in faith. How to go beyond logic when it comes to your financial prosperity. For other people, is how to just adjust your finances to support causes. I don't know what the Lord will instruct you. It might be to the widow to be less privileged. But you see, in the midst of nothing, God can teach you to prosper. That's what I'm saying to you today. Some other people is learning to be prudent with what you have. Is learning to be prudent. So whichever way your own lesson will be, one, there is a one common denominator to all of us in this season, is learning to hear and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit while you are refusing to be swayed by popular opinions. I don't know what your own learning experience will be at this season, but I'm just saying to you, just like he said, he said you will love at destruction and famine. It's only God who can do that. He said you will look at your dwelling. He said they will be in peace. It's only God. You will check your books. Instead of diminishing, you are thriving. It's only God who can do that. He said, but this we have seen and we have learned. So I don't know what your own learning experience will be in this season. I believe he just brought this word to us this morning for us to be able to understand it. So please, when you grow in that understanding of biblical finances and prosperity, there are five scriptural truths that are just really at this season as we go. Five scriptures I want to give you to, to meditate on. Five thoughts. Number one, financial abundance is God's will for you. It's God's will for you. Financial abundance is God's will for you. Second Corinthians 8, 9. He said, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. So there was an exchange over our lives. So number one thing at this time, please understand, Christians find it very difficult to believe. Financial abundance is God's will for you. That's number one. And attached to that is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Please be fully persuaded that God's will for you is prosperity. God's will for you. Even if you are comfortable to take care of yourself at this time, please understand that there is work to be done on planet Earth. There is work. There is work. I don't carry cash around, but in recent times, I've been carrying cash because people are hungry. 
So I need to also grow and expand financially to be able to do that. There are people, they are not looking for jobs. They are just looking for what to eat. And then among those categories of people, they are physically challenged. And when you look at our country in global perspective, people need to go back. And that's why I said that those things that economic group and everything were talking, beautiful on paper. But until the man planting tomatoes at Bono can go back to his farm, those things are just on paper. Until people planting rice, all these things, you know that they are very expensive in the market now. Until I know God will sort us out, but the larger population is there. So God's will for us is prosperity. So that when we have sufficient, we are able to share with other people. So even if you say you are comfortable, it's okay. You can go to afford to go to do masters. You are coming back here. You can afford to send your children. You are coming, they are coming back here. You can afford to do the brand trip of the world. It's okay, but you are still coming back here. You want to build, whatever you want to build is still here. So God's will for us is what? Prosperity. So that's number one talk. God's financial abundance is God's will for you. Number two, which I've just explained, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9, you can just read all those things. It said, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. It didn't say scarcely left over. Plenty left over to share with others. It said, as the scripture says, they share freely. And give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. I don't know what it is, but in recent times, when I give people money, I hear prayers. And I think that should be what we should all be doing. I hear prayers. I hear prayers. Because sometimes you give people money, they look at the money, they look at you because in their mind, they are not expecting to receive such an amount of money from you. So we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed. No matter how, and I know that God will bless each and every one of us. If all of us are driving G-Wagon into this service today, it's not going to shake God. But the truth is that we can't be driving that G-Wagon in our neighborhoods. Because people are, use, are driving L-wagons. L-wagons, that's what they drive. Some people who are driving cars before, they, have not, they are not driving again. So we can afford to see that. So number two things as believers, we are blessed to be a blessing. That's one of the things you should aspire to live in the fullness of the blessing of the Bible so that that blessing can flow to other people. Number three, at this time, please. Okay, number two, resources are never meant to be ordered in the kingdom of God. Instead, God desires that they be freely and willingly shared to accomplish his will. So ask yourself, do I allow myself to be a conduit of God's blessing? Or do I see myself as a stopping point? If your answer is the latter, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a vision on how you can bless other people. That's what this season 
globally is, is placing a demand on us. Number three, this season at this time that we have, number three, you must rely on heaven's economy, not the heart. You must rely on heaven's economy. I say to you, brothers and sisters, you must, you must, you must. I understand one of the people in charge of our economy was talking to someone that he has developed all his theory that he has learned. Things are defiling those theory every day. So you know that vain is the help of man in this matter. So, Philippians 4.19 is a scripture attached to that. I didn't give you plenty of scripture today because I want this message to be handy. At this time, you have to rely on heaven's economy, not the heart. He said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. So there are riches in glory which must translate into this physical realm. No matter what the needs are, health, financial, whatever it is, God loves it when his children pray with joyful expectation in their hearts by faith and eagerly looking that he will provide for them. Number four, is that? Yeah. Commit to handle your finances God's way. Commit it. It's a commitment. Commit it. Commit it. It's called corporate governance in the management cycle. Commit to handle that. The way you want to handle your finances is God's way. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33, the Bible is so clear about it. According to God's word, the most re rewarding pursuit is that of his kingdom. I know this doesn't fly in the face of the modern mindset. Yes, because, but for us who are believers, we are called to line up with God's word. No popular thoughts, no cultural standards, not our own whims and, and caprices. Finances, eh? This is how God sees it. He said, take no thought, saying. Take no thought. So there is sentences that we will want to take thought. And by the time CBN raised uh, the, 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 the exchange rate for the week, there is that tendency to say, we take thought. We take thought. We take thought. But hey, the Bible says, God's economy. Make up a mind. I don't know if you have. If you have not, make a commitment today. This business, we will do it God's way. And it's not, please, let me also uh, settle you in. It's not about just sowing, sowing, sowing. Mm -mm. It's just a simple way. Lord, how do you want us to run in this business? How do you want us to run in this career path? that I am in. How do you want me to run? I want to run kingdom way. There's a book. I don't know if, I don't even know who wrote that book. Holy Spirit, my senior partner. Is it Youngish Cho? Okay, if you can get, I mean, that book just dropped in my heart. If you can get the book, that's how you will see example of how people run businesses. They just turn it into kingdom businesses. And how God helped them to pull through economic crisis. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. So, it says, seek ye first. Verse 33. said, the thing is that when we are worried, these are things that bothers us. What to eat, what we drink, what to wear. But he said, those are the basic thing every other person is running after. 
He said, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of this thing. He said, but seek ye first. In other words, make the kingdom of God a premium, a parity, and all these other things that people are running after shall be added to you. Last point today is plant the seed of the word of God. Plant the seed of the word of God. Plant the seed. There are two videos I've seen in the past one week. Uh, one was talking about how Nigerian passport is the best passport in the world. He's just talking prophetically. And what that message is simply saying is that with my Nigerian passport, I can go to any day. It used to be. But this young girl just took it upon herself. Don't talk down on our nation. I saw another one early this morning where he says, um, dollar is 1,500. He says, so what? And then he be, she began to ask the question, has, she, has it always been 1,500? And the answer is no. What happened? He said, well, maybe we mismanaged some of the things. Maybe we have poor economic decisions. But now, this is still one of the best countries in the world. You see, I don't know, even for us who are believers, we can finish prayer meeting. And now, praying for Nigeria, before we get to that passage, we start to talk about the problems. No, plan. And I'm saying this, if we can do that for our nation, sometimes it's about our finances. So good seed of God's world around your finances. If you are saying no money, no money, no money, that is what you will see. If you are saying that in this nation things are hard, nobody is making any profit, you may be wrong because people are still making profit. So plant good words. Plant good words. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20, he said, These are which are sown on good ground. So you plant good words around your finances. I, I, I did something last night, and you can also do it. Type in your Google. Police is not our friend. Google is our friend. Type in your Google, biblical prosperity. I mean, biblical, no, 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 no. Scriptures on biblical prosperity. You'll be amazed. In fact, there is one. That's where my laptop is on. 60 biblical Prosperity scriptures. And you see, it's not, yeah, there are more than 60, really. But what does that do? What will it do for you? Even at this time, you have something to meditate on. And whatever you meditate on long enough, it becomes part of you. And if your confession can change, that business in your hand will change. If that business in your hand can change, it will contribute to the, our GDP or GNP, as it were. Whether you realize it or not, whether you agree with me, those who do, who do the analysis, they are here. They are, and then you, they are here out there. See, startup is thriving in Nigeria in the midst of nothing. The, the environment is harsh, but people are starting businesses. Things are not, if we are waiting for perfect condition, we will not sow. So what am I saying this morning? Learn to sow the seed of God's word over what you do. He said, the beauty of the Lord will be seen upon your life, upon the work of your hand. Can I have an amen today? So instead of speaking negative words, your word matters even at this time. Speak 
positive word over your finances. Negative word will bring lack. Speak word that lines up with the word of God. And learn to proclaim the faithfulness and blessing of the Lord in and through your finances. So in conclusion, I pray for you today that God, who is able to make all blessings abound to his children, will be active in your life. His visitation at this time will be strong on your family, on your career, on your business, on your finances. You will love at destruction and famine. Your habitation will be in peace. There is no breaking in. Shalom in, in your financial blessing. Even though financial abundance or lack is not the ultimate thing in life, the Bible says it will not withhold good from you. So it will give us riches to enjoy. It will give you power to enjoy it. I decree and declare lack is far away from your tabernacle. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Please note, in conclusion, we are called, first called to know and follow Christ. And then tell others about him. But you see, God in his infinite wisdom know that we need resources for the work of the kingdom. We need it. And he's not going to send you through angels. He's going to use his own children. And how is he going to use them? By giving them work. Work which is an exposure to their potential. And then through that work, they create value. And in exchange for that value, financial resources comes to them. That's the way God operates. God can't break his principle. But at this time, no matter how hard the things may look like, God is for you. God is in you. God is with you. In Jesus' precious name. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2 slash 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenge.org for more.